Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to this edition of The Kitchen Table. I'm Brian. And I'm Jake. And The Kitchen Table, of course, is a a weekly program that we do, and we're super excited to have you with us. Uh, We started this program because Jake, who is now middle of his freshman and sophomore year of college, went away to college, and we wanted to continue having faith conversations. We think it's vitally important as uh, parents disciple their own children, that's their first priority, that they uh, have these conversations. And so we wanted to continue these even into the college career phase and on beyond that, hopefully. And so we decided to open it up for for you to sort of just eavesdrop in on our conversations, so to speak. But more than anything, want to encourage you to begin having these kinds of conversations with your own children across the kitchen table or wherever you want to have those conversations. So the way the program is lined up, we spend about 20 minutes or so just having a faith conversation about a specific topic, lots of questions back and forth. We move into a segment we call Music Matters. In Music Matters, Dad and I are both very big lovers of music, and we really like to emphasize the generational gap in music. So Dad brings a new song of the week. I bring kind of a song of the week. It doesn't have a new, I don't really have new music on the spot because I don't work in radio. They're just songs that speak to you at the time. Yeah. And then dad goes to oldie but goldie. Something that dad always did in my life was bring old music to inspire my music taste. And so that is just one of the segments that we do. As we wrap up that section, we move into culture shock. And in culture shock, it's kind of a plethora, as we like to call it here, of just actors, of celebrities, sports players, companies, organizations that are just impacting the world and bringing God's kingdom more and more every day to this culture. So there are many little phrases or catchphrases that we learn growing up. People who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones or a rolling stone gathers no moss. And one of the popular things, almost I think it's like a little song, but it's just sort of back and forth. When, when I was kids, we used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones. But, but words never hurt me. But words will never hurt me. Well, how I respond to that is, you are wrong. Yeah. Absolutely wrong. The Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Words hurt. They hurt deeply. More so, I think, than sticks and stones many times. So we're going to talk about that today, of how words do break us. They ruin relationships. How many of you have really struggled to forgive somebody? Yep. You've had a huge struggle forgiving someone who has hurt you deeply. I know broken relationships, even within my family circle, these relationships have been broken now for more than a decade. Yeah over things that they can't even remember what the original disagreement was. And it pretty much has to do with words. So we want to talk today about how words can damage people, especially as a parent, how words can damage your children. Children respond strongly to their mother's voice. A uh, national proceedings of the National Academy of Science released this study recently that newborn babies can identify their mother's voice. They have heard the voice for months while they've been carried inside the womb. And according to the research, part of the brain light up in response to the sound of their mother. Whether casual or intentionally, phrases and thoughts expressed to children often bring a long-lasting impact. So things that we need to look at on how we communicate, especially to our children. We need to realize that we can gain wisdom from our past. Reflect on the phrases that your mother spoke to you that had impact on you, whether you really wanted it or not, or whether you even realize it or not. Positive things. I'm proud of you. Something as simple as I'm proud of you. But then there's the negative side. You didn't intentionally mean to do it, but there was something negative that impacted your child, and it sticks with him as well. 
We need to start habits that help us speak intentionally to bless our children in a positive way and avoid the negative impact. So we need to understand our impact that words do matter. Yeah. Common scenarios or phrases and how they can be interpreted by a child. Have you ever frustratingly said something to the effect of, you're always so slow. Why can't you get ready on time? You're not alone. Getting ready can be an exasperating mess for every family, especially on Sunday mornings trying to get ready for church, right? Yeah. Rush, rush, rush. Well, unfortunately, a phrase like this might cause a child to believe that they're actually slow. It might cause them to freeze up when they need to move fast. They may grow up time-challenged because of this. Labeling a child gives them self-image that can be negative or positive. Negative, oh, they're just chubby. Positive, they're beautiful. Yeah. How many times have you said as a parent, don't be a baby? Yeah, Dad. I'm guilty of these. Yeah, Dad. I'm guilty of these, I admit it. (laughs) The phrase might cause a child to hide or suppress their emotions. Young ones are sensitive and easily impressed. Crushing their feelings or belittling a problem may be interpreted as you don't care or take their feelings or beliefs seriously. Oh, you're fine. Just suck it up. Yes, I know. I've said it a time or two. Uh, We might think it's great to say you can be anything you want to be. However, we all have talents in areas where we are not naturally talented. It's better to encourage their talents and interests and then help them match those activities to careers. Has anyone ever said to you, what's wrong with you? Such words can hamper children from accepting themselves, cause them to question their value, bring anxiety that may last decades. We need to realize how you talk about yourself could limit your child. Your child might hear you jokingly say to someone, oh, I'm, I'm no good at math. Well, that might affect your child as well. We want our words to reflect love and encourage our children to be happy with who God made them to be and to succeed in life. That may mean curbing our own self-talk that might cause children to set boundaries on their abilities. More than anything, and this applies not only to just parents, but anybody, we need to think before we speak. Yeah. We need to consider how our children might interpret our words. Take a deep breath and be calm before speaking. Man, if that was a normal habit for us today, what a change that would make in our world. Yeah. We need to be specific. Now, with a younger son who is on the autism spectrum and thinks in black and white, we always have to be specific. But if you're not forced to be specific, maybe it's a good idea to be specific. A child might be slow to react because they do not know what to do. When you command them to get ready, what does that mean? That's not specific enough. Does it mean get dressed? Does it mean put on your shoes, pack your backpack, walk out the door? You need a list steps to be done so a child can respond with actions. Now for us, we can't give a list to our youngest. It's got to be one thing. Do this one thing, and when you're done with that thing, you're going to do this thing. But you can only give them that one instruction. Maybe you need to set up a chart that shows different steps to cleaning a room, provide guidance, matches a specific remark. Your child might need five sentences about what they did yesterday for a homework assignment and freeze up. Instead of telling your child, just remember and do it, pause and chat about their day. Did they get up? Did they go anywhere? What did they do after they ate in the afternoon or with someone else? No matter how hard we try, negative words or generalizations tend to slip out of us as parents. We need to process our words. We need to chat daily with our kids and discuss any words that confuse them. Maybe it's hurting their feelings. If get ready confuses your child, suggest to your child to ask the question, what should I do to get ready? And when they got ready, did you said you did a good job putting on your coat and packing your backpack? Specific things. It's all about training with direction and love. It's easy to say, oh, you're doing that wrong. That's easy. That's the easy way out as a parent. Your words will guide your child's future choices and behaviors, so weigh what you say carefully. Consider how a child may be very proud of a bed they made with the comforter all crooked, 
That's the time to express thanks that they did it alone and remembered to do it. Practice affirmation. Make it a habit of using positive and encouraging phrases that are specific and true. You worked hard for that B states that you know they spent time and effort in the subject. Thank you for help for dinner. You're great at mashing potatoes. Positive affirmation. Your child will be happy because you noticed them and their actions. You listened, you cared, you affirmed their importance in their life. Your positive words will give them confidence for life. I think as young adults, we also need to watch our words, especially to our parents. I'm the oldest son. Anything new that I'm experiencing with my parents, they are probably experiencing it as a new thing because as a parent, you know, I know I have said things where I didn't mean to upset mom or dad, and I did. So I think just being open communication about what you meant behind that can be important. I went off to college and I was kind of joking with mom that I didn't want because she was being like ooey gooey like oh no my baby boy's going to college and I was like mom stop like I'm literally going to be here I'm two minutes away from the house but it's still like a change you know like I wasn't leaving far but I'm not going to be home and I was kind of like suppressing my feelings about it so just be careful with what you say because they're probably feeling things of unease and it's just important. Well, the world does say, that song we talked about at the beginning of the program, words will never hurt me. That's not true. In fact, scripture says the complete opposite. Words can hurt, even when they're directed from an unknown profile online. God made a world in which words are powerful. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if you go through the New Testament, you'll find that Jesus was verbally attacked numerous times. So words do hurt. Jesus not only endured it, he prepared us for this as well. He and his apostles of the early church modeled for us how to receive and respond to words that hurt us. So what can we expect? We can expect that the world is going to say the worst to us. When you look at scripture and how they were attacked, Paul was persecuted. Paul arrived in Rome. The Jews reported to him about Christianity. And it says in Acts 28, 22, with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Words. For Christians, being reviled is not a matter of if, but when. When they speak against you, 1 Peter 2, 21, unbelievers are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. So what do you do? We need to consider the cause. And this is something we can teach our children as well. Teach anybody. We should not assume that all verbal opposition we receive is good. Being reviled for Jesus' sake and for his gospel is one thing, but being reviled for our own folly and sin is another. We want to give the advisory no occasion to slander. Slander itself is no win for the church. We want to do what we can within reason without compromise to keep God's name and word and teaching up front. Do not let what you regard as good be spoken as evil. When the world speaks against us because of Jesus, we embrace it. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you, 1 Peter 4.14. And when someone does use harmful words to us and it hurts us, we don't return that with harmful words. Christ calls his church and it's very clear. It says, do not respond in kind. Do not stoop to the level of those who revile against you. 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct honorable. Titus 3.2, speak evil of no one. When Christians do not respond in kind, we lose the battle and undermine our commission. Christ expects, even demands of us, that our speech be different from the world's, even when we respond to the world's mean words. So when this happens, what do we do? We leap for joy. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah. In Acts 5.41, the apostles, they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. 
they were rejoicing to suffer. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. And there's one more shocking possibility for Christians, even more astounding than leaping for joy and rejoicing when someone speaks bad words against us. In 1 Peter 3, 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. The Spirit of Christ gives the most striking testimony of the Spirit of Christ at work in us. The grace and power of God not only enable us to expect and evaluate reveling and not respond in kind, but even rejoice, but also repay reveling with blessing. This is Christ-likeness. This is a Christian maturity. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute against you. Matthew 5, 44. I think another important thing, I obviously can't understand what it's like to be a parent because I'm not. I'm still a teenager. I turn 20 in December, just like to let you know that. (laughs) <laughs> but I think it's important that we, especially with our friends, to watch our words as well. I, especially with everyone, we need to watch our words. But like for me, this summer, I'm traveling with a band and we're doing a bunch of camps and we're constantly together 24-7. We're, I mean, we're a sassy bunch. Like we just, we're <laughs> always are sassy. But the thing is, is that when you're with people for a long enough time, the way they take it, oh, they're being sarcastic or just goofing around can turn into offensive I think knowing the level of what your friend can take of sass or of sarcasm is important too because we can be joking around, but one day it could all of a sudden be hurtful. And so we need to just be cautious of that and be aware of that. So words can hurt us. Yes. Many more times than sticks and stones. So remember that. Who made that? I have no idea. I want to smack them. (laughs) <laughs> like, because the first time I ever heard sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me. was actually in a Power Rangers episode. Okay. And I just was like, that just seems dumb. Like, you know, and then like I hit middle school and I was like, this is really dumb. So, and you realize it's not true. I, I just, I don't get why someone, I'd rather take a broken bone over being verbally abused. <laughs> you damage the heart. Yeah. I think it's just more personal and more lifelong pain than temporary oh i have a cast that wraps up the faith discussion of this week and moving into music matters all right music matters again we celebrate the generational differences of music i have a new song this week it's a a duet stephen malcolm with an unexpected duet guest oh natalie grant Oh, wow. That's quite the interesting pair, yeah, isn't it? it? Is. They have a new song out. It's actually on Steven's record called Even Louder. And uh, he's going to explain a little bit of the song and we'll hear a little bit of the clip of it. When life happens, when the anxiety, when the depression happens, will our praise become even louder? Me personally, while writing this song, was dealing with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of things going on in my life. But pulling from scripture, pulling from my heart, you know, will I worship in those times of struggle? Will I worship in those times of trials and tribulations? That is an interesting pair. Sounds really good, though. It does. It does. Yeah. So my song for the week, mine's 
a pair, but they've done stuff together before. For me, I like to bring in artists that are kind of like in the middle. They're Christians, but have secular pull um, in today's society. Um, so Tori Kelly, big fan of Tori Kelly. Her last album that came out in 2018 is actually a gospel album. So like if you go into Apple Music, it says gospel as the not pop. Much of it co-written and produced by Kirk Franklin. Yeah, Kirk Franklin's actually a song on like he has. But the song I wanted to pick is called Masterpiece and it features Lecrae on it. And I just love the meaning of the song because it talks about how we have these mistakes, but God makes a masterpiece out of them. So here's a snippet of Masterpiece by Tori Kelly featuring Lecrae. That's actually a really good album, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, it is. She's just at a whole nother level than most people in music. Yeah. All right, it's time now for us to travel back in time with an oldie but goldie. Let's go back to 1993. Six years before I was born. It's good that you prove every week you can do math. I can. At least subtraction. Then we're going back to 1993. This is the number four song in 1993. I remember playing this artist. When I first started in radio, vinyl records, and she was a rocker. Yeah. Yeah, and played guitar, and it was awesome stuff. And then she had a many, many years she's putting out music. She's still around, I believe. But uh, her name is Margaret Becker, also known as Maggie B. Maggie B. And so this is the number four song from 1993. I love this song. It's called This I Know, Margaret Becker. Interesting. I think, great. Heard, I think I've heard of her name before. Powerful vocal, great guitarist. Yeah, excited for her. That wraps up Music Matters. Let's move into Culture Shock. So in Culture Shock, again, we celebrate culture. We celebrate people that are making a difference in culture, whether it's a celebrity, a sports figure, an artist, or just the average Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo. Today we have an average Joe Schmo. Who is it? It's actually a pastor. Pastor Chris, also known as PC. He is a former pastor who is now offering a free auto repair service in Texas. Hmm. And he offers a, basically it's called God's Garage and it's in uh, Conroy, Texas. And he provides free auto repair service to single ladies, widows, and military wives. That's awesome. He says, my dad went to tech school to become a mechanic before he was a pastor, and I followed him into the pastor side of things. I didn't know much about cars, but his dad taught him the basics of car care, and he grew up watching him help people stuck on the side of the road. So as an adult, he was uh, struggling financially, had many car problems beyond his own skill. So he prayed to God many times that his car would start in the morning so he could get to work. He had no money or parts for labor, and he told God if he could make a difference for people in my situation, he would gladly do it. So he's working as a youth pastor in Texas and he's driving home and he saw this woman and her children waiting in the rain and he recognized them from the church where he worked at. And he says, uh, Pastor PC, he says, they told me that their car had been in the shop for months and they couldn't afford to get it out. So right then he decided that he needed to figure out a way to get his dream of opening a free garage off the ground. So it opened in 2002, God's Garage. He's repaired more than 200 cars at no cost. Wow to anybody. He's restored a hundred cars for women in need. Wow. He says there is no greater joy than seeing a mom finally be able to start her car up and drive it home. When people donate their old cars, they fix them up, they give them away. It's an unbelievable feeling. So kudos to Pastor Chris and God's Garage in Conroy, Texas. 
impacting culture in a unique way. And that's our culture shock for this week. And that wraps up this episode of The Kitchen Table. We are so glad that you joined us here today. If you want to connect with us, if you want to give us questions, music, culture shock, influencers, you can reach us on our Facebook page. So if you go to the Shine.fm Facebook page and then there's like a group under it, it's called The Kitchen Table and we will accept you. It's a, it's a fun group. Thanks for hanging out with us today and have a wonderful week. Stay salty. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.